Welcome to the Extraordinary Creatives Podcast. I'm Kerry Hand, your host and creative coach. Join me each week as we delve into the journeys of creative trailblazers, aiming to inspire you to embrace your creativity and chart your own unique path. This week, award-winning artist Kim Noble joins me on the podcast. Kim's provocative and playful work exposes our foibles, flaws and idiosyncrasies and there's not much off the table when it comes to giving it a poke with a dry stick of absurdity. His touring theatre show, Lullaby for Scavengers, was awarded five stars by The Guardian and listed as beautifully, intricately assembled and very funny. He's been cited as a genius by The Times and made appearances in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, The Mighty Boosh, Noel Fielding's Luxury Comedy, made animations for the BBC, countless exhibitions and was one half of Perry Award winning BAFTA nominated experimental art comedy duo Noble and Silver. In this episode, he speaks candidly about the challenges of defining what it is he does. He shares his process of making a touring stage show, how long it felt good working in a collaborative duo, what professional jealousy feels like, how hard it is to be human and how necessary champions have been. Oh, and his mum calls partway through the interview. He answers and it's not particularly good news. Listen up. Kim's revelations and honesty about what it takes to be an artist is refreshing. It's so nice to have you with us and thank you for curating your backdrop, especially for us, or maybe it's for your normal Zoom meetings. Is uh, that how? I, I ran out of time. I was going to try and do the whole lot, but I um, it was for today because I felt ashamed to be on a podcast called Extraordinary <laughs> Creatives. Well, I, I will bear that shame for you because I guess, you know, it's genuine in terms of the people that I'm inviting on. And I did invite you on because I think you are an extraordinary creative. But another one of your guests did say they weren't extraordinary, right, as well. I think a few of them. Yeah, I think nobody else thinks of themselves as extraordinary. No. That would be weird, right? You go around the world declaring you're extraordinary. None of us think that. I think the reason I guess the title is important here is because certainly in terms of what you do, which is push the edges of things you know you do go to quite extraordinary lengths to to test the boundaries of mm. what's possible for yourself for us etc it's not like it, nobody else goes around doing that kind of stuff you know on a daily basis it is quite remarkable you might not think it because you're already you're doing it all the time mm. Mm. um but title aside i'm really delighted that you're here and I guess I'd like to start at the beginning, if that's all right, Kim, yeah. in terms of like, where did your journey start? Where did you grow up? Whoa, um, I should have known this question was coming because you you asked this on for everyone, don't you? Um, I grew up in uh, sort of just outside of London, the suburbs of London, quite an unremarkable place. Very boring, the, but the very suburbs. close to London. Yeah. So that was quite cool to be able to have access to, to this city. And who was at home when you were growing up? Who did you grow up with? Um, so I, wow, I, I'm so bad at this. Sorry, Kerry, straight away I'm nervous and stumbling around. Um, I, mum, dad, brother, and um, yeah, older brother who is was always a big influence on on me and everything I did. I think that's where my creative journey started. Started, for instance, he had a a picture of Roy, uh, Roy Lichtenstein on on his bedroom wall when he was a sort of teenager. It's kind of pop art image, kind of cool 
did he go to art school your brother yeah yeah and i think okay. also he really was a massive influence on on me and going to art school we had a convers- dr- drunken conversation at some point when i was at uh, arts uh, no foundation about which direction i should go because i had the choice of kind of going to to you know study graphics or fine art or something and he was just like you fucking cunt you're not a fucking graphic designer are you <laughs> proper artist go to art school um and so i i did and um yeah and and you yeah, know so so it was having having someone around that was kind of really he was very radical and quite a, he's a great poet now and a writer and stuff and having that influence i suppose was quite and he was very rebellious as well i was very i'm, I'm a very shy uh, in, in introverted person but he was quite outgoing so I suppose some of that him being weird and wonderful probably and he he went to architecture he got chucked out of arts architecture school and went to art school so he's quite yeah his, what, was, a, what was he chucked out for Kim was it a big stink in the family a little bit a little bit yeah it was yeah but but I think some of that that influence has his influence totally rubbed off on me of being kind of a bit out there and rebellious even though I was as I say quite very quiet mm. but I think there is a there was always that around and also you know bless my dad who's not feeling so well at the moment did take did, you know did take us to sort of some extraordinary theatre shows in London you know I was very fortunate in that way I was very fortunate to have mm. you know seen some stuff at the National from quite a young age you know he wouldn't shy away from sort of taking us me to stuff that a bit inappropriate or not for for younger 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 folk but i did you know so that was cool what kind of things did he take you to I remember seeing yeah it's midsummer night's dream at the national and it was all um it was just based in water and mud and it was just like just this credible it's just inc- it was incredible it's just like and so seeing something like that and like when you're kind of 14 15 quite yeah, serious amazing play was kind of cool. where did your dad's interest in theater come from he was a salvation army drummer and an architect at the same time. and um, Good combo. Yeah. So he was kind of always in, in there was an interest in in culture, I suppose. So that, so maybe that's kind of where some of some of what I, I've got comes from a little bit. <laughs> was it featuring him at all? No, he wasn't. He wasn't in that one. <laughs> um, he wasn't. He just, I saw, I remember him, I remember seeing him kind of come into the, it was at art school coming into the thing and, my degree show and I started the performance and literally walked straight out as soon as I started (laughs) oh ouch did you manage to keep going yeah 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 probably for the best (laughs) nevertheless I imagine if he had that creativity and interest in theatre I'm sure it was an interest the fact that you and your brother went on to be both be creative I think he was just very disappointed that we both neither of us ended up being an architect and he couldn't could never really understand what the hell we did mm-hmm. and uh, uh and was then to various degrees quite angry about that um but mm. no not angry that's the wrong thing there was a i'm sure some of the being taken to art galleries you know as a as a child was was an influence on on me and also for my brother the rebellious streak i think rubbed off on me a little bit so i was always wanting to and not just in a creative way but just in terms of that older presence he would be watching and listening to things that uh, that i wasn't a you know wouldn't necessarily be in my my thingy 
as 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 that that young age so seeing like the young ones um oh yeah or programs like that that maybe were a bit too young well not too young for me but were, you know needed we're too young for it really yeah, yeah yeah and they were just they were just like to me just like fucking hell how that's amazing they've got madness on a on a on a anarchic comedy program it just felt like really cool yeah the thought of you watching the young ones in suburbia somehow seems perfectly fitting for what you do now i can mm. see how that rubbed off so how was it for you both growing up in in suburbia part of me had a really idyllic childhood but um i still had bouts of severe sort of depression want you know i remember quite distinctly wanting to not be alive when i was eight you know and wow. so i don't think that's going to do with suburbia but i suppose the one thing about suburbia that I did notice it was seemed to be the police had nothing to do so i was always get i always seemed to be getting at one point in trouble with the police even though i i can't i that fills me with fear <laughs> the idea of police they were always hanging around and it's like that's one thing about suburbia is i noticed i suppose so what but, kind yeah. of mischief did he get up to Oh, just the normal. There's nothing, nothing weird about what it's just normal kid stuff, you know, and just normal teenage kid, kid stuff. There wasn't anything. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was totally not rebellious as a child, mm. or or a teenager at all. I totally was quiet, toe the line, and um, and worked quite hard at. But I think even even uh, even some of my early. I mean, weirdly, there's one there. Just looking at it, a photo of stuff from school they were still kind of trying to be funny or poke the shit out of stuff or steampunk but then at various points as the candle went down things would it, it set alight loads of flares and um um sparklers and dynamite and um and mm. things like that during the during yeah they they had we weren't allowed to they had to abandon the the um the tutorial because it was um too dangerous for was that a, at school or at art, art school that was at school that was like a, i think design at school like at college let's say oh wow so you were already you're making things it's kind of got a bit of i was thinking about those artists like uh eve tangley do you, do you mm, remember like oh my god yeah there's something in that isn't there the kind of absurdist yeah. slapstick approach to materials looking at art was seeing things that weren't traditional the traditional art, I suppose, was was of particular was of interest from a young age. Things like that and Liechtenstein and that kind of thing that weren't um, more paint painterly stuff that you might see at National mm. Gallery. Those those things were like, oh wow, this is that's cool. That that's 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 interesting. Yeah. So it's like the, a, a collage of incongruous things somehow together. That kind of splicing of like everyday stuff. Mm. mixed with maybe something that could be profound, kind of slapped together with a bit of gaffer tape somehow. Mm. There's something in that kind of DIY aesthetic that you were interested in even back then. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, it's still, that is my that is my aesthetic. <laughs> That's a compliment, it's... I have to say, yeah. in that kind of uh, scavenger um, kind of technique of mm -hmm. finding stuff. But your stuff now, you're interested in splicing dead things with living things, with um, things that you find in the street. There's a whole host of kind of uh, research and development yeah. that goes into your work. But 
curious, so when you got to art college, back from sort of finding that confidence, I guess, to continue or pursue your creative ideas, who hmm. who at art college did you find interesting or inspiring? When I got to art school, I, it was the first time I thought I'm not an artist. I thought, I'd, no, not thought I wasn't an artist. It's the first time I was like, oh, maybe I'm not going to be have a career as an artist. It kind of almost was taught me that there's more things to do than art. I don't know what, even though I was totally dedicated to being an artist, at that point it felt like, I think the first, this isn't answering your question at all, but the first um, tutorial we had or when the, the, the head of the department got us all together said, lots of you won't end up being artists. And I was horrified. So I'm just mm. like, fuck you, looking around going, which one of you wankers is <laughs> be here at the end or be here in 20 yeah. years' time? Gradually, I realised how true that was and how, like, well, maybe I'm not going to, maybe I'm not an artist. I think it taught me how to not be an artist. But who, but I did have, I, I, I did, in fact, I, I, because I was a bit nervous about coming on this, I wrote down three things to put on my wall. And one of them up there is the post note says Lucy Gunning. Mm. Um, now, oddly, I didn't know what the hell I was doing at art school. Really didn't know. Can I tell you an anecdote? Yeah, please do. When I was in my third, thir even in the third year, I still hadn't quite got to grips with what I was doing. And I was making video work and sculpture. And, and I'd done this video installation in the foyer of the art school of two monitors. And me on, I was obsessed by football at that. Well, I still am obsessed by football, but anyway, football was the subject matter. It was me on two crappy monitors and me dressed up as a footballer, kicking a football from one monitor to the other, very like art school or something. In the third, and I was really proud of this piece. And then one of the professors walked past and said how great it was and how brilliant it was, and um, how proud I must be that I've come to an art school and as a as a first year. You can really develop <laughs> these ideas and take them on and work on them for the next two or three years. I was like, no, this is. This is it. I'm a third year. Um, the the um, Lucy Gunning came and did a lecture, a visiting had a good visiting lecture program. And um, I I don't really know Lucy. I hope she doesn't. She won't be listening to this. Um, oh, she might be listening. Sorry to put you down there, Kerry. She might be listening. <laughs> um, but um, her lecture I remember being quite boring. And you could then have a tutorial afterwards. I, I think hardly anyone signed up for her tutorial. So I managed to get a tutorial with her but it was something in that tutorial in the third year that was just like I don't know what it was but it was just it was really inspiring and just things just suddenly came together and I really got her to thank or the opposite of thank um blame for yeah blame totally for for this I did see her once at a um private view and I, I went up to her and she had no idea obviously didn't know who I was and I said thank you and she just looked quite embarrassed and we didn't say anything more. Um, but yeah, that was a really profound moment. Another one was, and I think you've spoken about to this about with with one of your other um interviewees, um, was that I, when I was presenting my work to a tutor or to tutors, they were it was quite disappointing. I wasn't sure what where I was. And then I said I had to go because I was gonna um um go and do this radio show that I was I was doing. And um they go, What what's that? And and then and I and I said, well, I'm just doing this this crappy radio thing, playing, mucking around, and being a bit of a dick. And they go, oh, can we listen to it? And so I had some stuff. And they were like, why are you not presenting this 
Kim as your work. And I was, that was another big moment. And it was like, oh, wow, maybe the other, maybe other things that I do are also art or not art, but creative. And I didn't realize that. And that was a good, that was an important moment for me. Mm. I think there's something when you mentioned Lucy Gunning, I was thinking I've still got an, uh, an image of one of her works in my mind, which seems really pertinent. I think I think this is Lucy again. Forgive me if I've um, conflated a bit of her working her way around her bedroom. Is that right? Sort of elevated, mm -hmm. and it always stayed in my mind because of the awkwardness and the sort of banality, but the ridiculousness yeah. of that endeavor. You know yeah, that yeah. she would try and climb around her bedroom on all the furniture at the top height. Mm -hmm. And also, I think it was she in a petticoat, like a white I think so. sort of petticoat, something that was, yeah. you know, but the, it wasn't at all fey or cute or, you know, it was it was just the the sort of, but the seriousness of intent. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. liked it. And I yeah. think it makes sense to me that a conversation where you are talking to somebody who understands that kind of, drawing attention to the edges of things or the possibilities of looking, you know, from mm. a different vantage point or, you know, but using the simplest of means, mm. it makes mm. sense in terms of what you do. Those kind of experiences at art college, but how did you leave art college? So this isn't going to help anybody else, this bit, but it's another thing that happened to me was just meeting somebody that I had that for a time in my life, I'd, I had a, a, a real strong connection with that I was able to then work with and, and joke with and be friends with and that was another big big impact on me at, at, art, at art school um, when I was a bit lost and didn't know and then suddenly meeting um, a guy that we ended up doing lots of comedy stuff together called Stuart Silver and and um, and that was a kind of like a like a really wow moment for me and helped me a lot at that from being lost to have someone to bounce stuff off and and work with that was another, another how, thing. Did, how did you get one of them yeah how did you form that uh partnership in the first instance i think it was just but that's i think those things are just luck aren't i think all these things that i'm talking about are just kind of luck aren't they in a way they can't they luck they're luck that lucy was there or that um my tutor said that they're not luck but they're 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 hard to for your viewers to I don't know how that helps your viewers because how do you get that in the future if that makes sense but that well, meeting mm. him was just was a chance thing and it was just like we found kind of two people that kind of had shared the same hu sense of humor at that moment you know and and were able to then do performancey stuff together and and that was quite and just hang out together actually it was mm. be friends I suppose I guess there's the with all sort of creativity, there is luck, serendipity. Mm. There's also chance. Totally, totally. But it's also, but it's what you do with those ignition moments. Yeah, okay, yeah. Do you know? So it's like I think Paul Kindersley described it on his podcast episode, where it's realizing that you are in the habit of setting up frameworks where it's more likely that those things happen. So when you've experienced or know the feeling mm. of it, mm. because you've had it in your body like mm. and mm. your mind, so your mind and body 
get a sort of dopamine hit or get some excitement or they think more things because they've experienced that kind of happen chance or that chemistry, which is guess mm. what you're talking about. Because it's not actually an easy thing to have a collaborative partnership. It's not, it might start that way at a friendship, yeah. Yeah. but actually to create together is actually quite hard. In my experience of working with lots of collaborative partnerships mm. there's a, a shared language that develops but also it takes that sort of intimacy and vulnerability but also yeah. as well as kind of trying to find your own voice within a duo you know oh. there's that right. i mean it's hell yeah well, after after a certain amount of time but i suppose that's just relationships isn't it it is. Relationships are tough. It's hard enough having one with yourself, right? So having one with another creative person, it's um, interesting that that's, I'm wondering whether, you know, you mentioned about your brother being more um, confident and mm. rebellious. I'm wondering mm. whether there's something in that kind of collaborative partnership with Silver that gave you a, a kind of a stooge or a, somebody to push, push and pull with in that way. Yeah, to to bounce things off, but also we were lucky just to be able to kind of kind of got each other, and we were quite we're very different people, and that was a was was good, and then became quite difficult for us both, or mm. for for him in the partnership, I think, or for me as well, maybe. But you know, when he was wanting to do things that were a bit more delicate and um, poetic, and there was me sort of jizzing onto a dead mouse. Um, <laughs> Um, How long was your partnership kind of productive and fruitful for you? Five, five, seven, six years. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, but then we were living together as well. <clears throat> at one point, he moved into the same flat I was in, so it was quite very intense. And we were kind of working 24-7 for a long, for a couple of years. So it was, um, but it's great as well, you know. Brilliant. Is that a pressure that you put on yourselves at that time? That was a pressure from the strange world that we ended up in being more in the comedy world where you go and make a show and then you go and make another show and you go and make another show and you just, you just churn shit out and it's not very productive. Um, where did that first break come from, Kim? Of, of what break of, of what? Well, when, you were when you were doing stuff together, like yeah. how did you go from meeting each other to yeah. actually doing something live together and then doing it again? Um, so I remember being doing a, shit performance um in a gallery um to about 11 people who i think i'd seen at the same private view the week before um and i remember going home and walking past a comedy venue and just hearing this kind of clamor from above this pub and I went, I just went in to have a look and it was just ram it was just rammed, you know, it's like fucking hell, why the gallery down the road, there's no one in it. And this comedy club had was full. I mean, what they would the comedy was shit, but but still it was full. And that was there was something oh my my chair squeak. I've just realized that. Sorry. Um my I just realized that that was quite exciting to suddenly think, can can this go over here? Can what what I'm doing go here that was a kind of a, a move for me and uh, I think, how, how did that influence your conversation with silver then well i think he was already starting to do things in the he was he was he was more of a right and funny person so he was doing stuff in maybe 
comedic circles anyway think and so we just then decided fuck it let's go and try and do some um go and try and do our stuff in front of a comedy crowd and um and we started just doing some open mic spots and um and it was dreadful (laughs) and um sort of like taking taking you know super eight projectors to come and setting them up and playing bits of from tape recorders and slide projectors during an eight minute eight minute slot that you get and then on comes somebody else telling sort of grandma jokes um it was it was pretty awful and then um but it did but then and we decided that wasn't right and then i think someone we sent videos out to lots of people of our stuff of just us dicking around and then someone saw it at a, a comedy club, uh, no, a theatre, and they said someone had pulled out, a comedian had pulled out for an hour show, and they said, do, do, do we want to do an hour show on a Sunday afternoon? And we said, yeah. And we ended up doing, I think it was about three hours or something. And um, there just happened to be someone in there that moment um, who was invited down said, and he said, you know, they be interested in what we did, and so things again. That was just luck, and things spiraled from there. Mm. I'm sort of curious about the fact that you were a shy or you know introvert, mm. putting yourself in those situations, and just you know whether was that kind of confidence coming from being part of a duo, or how did you develop your? Uh, I would say you've got a very low. Or high, depending which way you look at it, embarrassment threshold. And when I think, I think about some of the extraordinary situations you put yourself in. Yeah. And do used to, used to put myself in Kerry. Used to. Okay. Well, I guess just thinking about that, just taking that first step, mm. you know, of actually putting. And I'm curious, where did you where did you get the brass balls to do it? I think I I there was something always there was something to I think. Yeah, maybe I'm someone's well a therapist said I'm I'm um an introvert that's desperate to be seen mm. um and I suppose there was all there's always been I I couldn't you know I actually drove me insane as a as a kid drove me insane actually at one point doing public public things or being part of group group dynamics or going to cubs or whatever those things were or you know um to, I got quite ill. I got quite ill even doing those things. But I suppose there was always something where I did enjoy sort of drama. I did enjoy dicking around. I did enjoy fucking around. Not not fucking around as a child, but um, <laughs> other fucking around. But and and within that, I suppose there was a kind of a, a slightly more ballsy element to me. Also, when I was younger, I, I suppose when you're young. I'm a lot more nervous now. I, there was some of the, as a teenager or in my early 20s and 30s, there was an element of not, didn't really care. I, I did care. All this stuff, I said, but I don't know, Kerry, I'm sorry. I don't know where it came from. But there was always an element, even at school, that I wanted to perform or wanted to, you know, and at art school, one just felt it was easier to, it was easier for me to perform than and get other people to perform let's say i could sit in front of a camera and do stuff and that was quite that came quite naturally to me in a way so and i suppose then art school then doing things outside and on the streets kind of seemed to be a a development of that and so when i started to do the things that i think you're more referring to um 
I'd already done done them for a while. But don't get me wrong, they they really scare the shit out of me. I really, I don't. I mean, just thinking about it now, I I don't know I can do that stuff anymore. So you're going through a, a transition in the way you make creative work at the moment. Transition being ending, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. put a pin in that and come back to it because yeah. I think I'm interested in at what point did you start performing as yourself or did you know from the beginning did you have a kind of uh were you was it an expanded version of yourself or were you aware that you were performing as a character I've never really known what that I know there's a difference but I don't it's just weird sometimes I put a camera on and I'm a bit different I mean I'm obviously different here with you Mm. on camera here but I'm but I know this is another version of me, right? You're a ver- you're totally a version of you. Yeah. Um, even even since we've you press record, there's a different version, right? That you are to, to the listeners that you weren't you were five minutes before that sure. when we were just chatting. So I know that there are all these versions of me. Um I was very much a I, I totally I I'm coming back to my same point that I used to film me a lot of being front of front of camera or behind camera both um just because it was easy i could just get the information across the court more directly or take a camera out film that way film this way film that way and that was just a very seemed to be quite a simple technique for me to 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 use and i didn't again i it it, it means that you don't you can just go and do it now i don't need to wait for scripts or i don't need to write for a, a, a gallery to invite me to do a performance or whatever i can just go and make the work here it is now um the version oh let's not answer your question about the versions of me what do you think Kerry? i don't know about the version i know that i'm a slightly different version of me on stage slightly different version of this and in my podcast and, my, my, and that's why i had a reticence i suppose when you first invited me on this i didn't want to be on it because i was nervous about the um giving away this other boring part of me which i'm quite boring and you know, you, you can on a podcast. You kind of can edit that stuff out. And, <laughs> you know, it's just you just put in what you want, don't you? And you can be the the character. And there is a there is a sort of slightly bumbling character that I I I am, but that character is me as well. So I'm not sure. I sometimes get confused about where you know. Even here, I want to dick around. I'm really trying hard not to dick around. I'm, you can uh, dick about. The... That's that's totally yeah, fine. Yeah. I think. But, but... I think there's yeah. there's something about the you know the self-deprecating or kind of slightly piss-taking character where you're you're taking the piss but you're implicating yourself mm-hmm. in everything that you do. So yeah. it's kind of revealing all of our ridiculous foibles and idiosyncrasies but you either you move between aligning yourself with the with those people. So mm-hmm. you know you you kind of revealing those things in any situation, but it's nothing that you wouldn't apply to yourself. That's the mm. impression I get with the work. But nevertheless, to stand on stage, as I've seen you at the theatre with one of your, mm. you know, four star, five stars, whatever, sh- amazing shows, where you, know, <laughs> you can hear uh, people gasp at some of the things that you do. You know, there's a huge intake My of mom. breath. Yeah. Possibly. To my mum. Yeah, why not? Hello? Yeah. You just called me. I did, yes. You're right. 
Not really. Oh, uh, mum, I'm just on a. I'm just being interviewed for a pop. Po okay. po you could. Is it if it's private? Don't tell me. But if it's not private, you can tell me. Yeah, it's just that I went to the doctors today. All right, I'll call you back in a bit. Yeah, I'll speak to you in a minute. Okay, bye. Oh, do you do you want to call her back now, Kim? Can I, Kerry? You can. Would you like to pause? <laughs> I wouldn't put it on. I wouldn't put it on air. It Wait. sounded like. No, she no, wanted... you can keep. You can keep. You can keep. Um, you can keep recording. But I'm just going to put it on private. I'm okay. not private. I'm going to put it on. Um, just find out if she's okay. Yeah, she please do because she said second, it wasn't. One second. One second. God, I can't find her number. That's bad, isn't it? What's she called? <laughs> Was okay. it buried? Yeah, it's like recent. It doesn't come up. What's going on there? Okay, there we go. Okay, hold on a minute. Oh, now she's busy. Oh. She's calling somebody else now. Okay. She's calling somebody else to tell the important news. Yeah, yeah, that she's oh, about. No. Only got four weeks to live. Well, I really hope that wasn't the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know she was ill before she went to the doctors? No. Okay. Let's hope it's all right. Anyway, let's keep going. I'm curious to unpick that performance side of things. We put that bit in though, Kerry. I was thinking that was like one of your performances. Like, did you get her to call you? (laughs) No, yeah, I didn't, sadly thought that. (laughs) People think that. It's always annoying when it's not annoying when people think that, but that is. That does yeah. happen. Art and life. I would really love to understand the process for you of writing something like your stage show. And I know that it's a recent in the recent past, if you like, but just for our audience to understand hmm. the process of making and thinking, because there were so many nuanced details in that show that hmm. almost seemed like accidents, but they clearly weren't because you did the same thing over and over again so could you just give us an example of where would you start with writing a stage show uh, I, well one is not to start writing a stage show I think that's the the um the the starting point is I never I don't know how people start to do anything in terms of right I need to I want to go and make a, a painting or I want to go and make it well maybe painting's different actually but I don't really understand it myself, but I just go and collate material, go and go and go out into the world and film and record. And for that particular show, that was the the that was the wasn't the method, but I was just doing stuff and doing projects, and and I didn't know that it would end up as a, a theatre show. You know, it was at one point it was going to be. Um, you know with my last show it might have been a film first of all and then and then I wanted it to be in a gallery and because I'm because I'm unsuccessful at everything else I do get offers from in the theatre context to present stuff so I suppose I'd I'd collated quite a lot of material and it was like well this is an opportunity for me there is an opportunity here Um, and then gradually um, I'd just start to with all that material think i try <clears throat> can you give us a clue some of the material kim that you're gathering so what kinds of stuff because y- you ended up living with foxes for example yeah i mean that was that wasn't i wasn't thinking oh this is gr- going to be great for the theater sh- this is a great theater show because actually that's quite film not filmic necessarily but mm-hmm. that project was was done with with a, with a video camera and i did, was was nowhere sure that it was just me going out into the world or being here and then 
listening to the staying staying out in foxes and staying out with staying out with foxes going out <laughs> when you hear the foxes and going out filming them and then ending up living with them to a certain extent with it in a tent and stuff um that wasn't that was just a project i didn't know what it i didn't i didn't know what it was it was just this is just what i wanted to do and it and then it felt really it felt at one point quite interesting and then some of the footage was like oh, this is quite cool this is quite in this is okay there is something here you know then then it's like this could be a, a show this could be a theater show and then you kind of you can put theatrics on top of it when once you decide where it's supposed to go or what what it is i suppose that was one instance and the the idea but that stuff of the foxes or living with foxes or or having a show narrated by a squirrel or a puppet squirrel those are only things that come right at, at the end for me they're not they're not they're not um i'm going to go and make a show about a fox yeah or a squirrel. I, so there's um, part of your process going back to that collaging again isn't it yeah. kind of bringing these incongruous things together to see yeah. how they stack up so yeah. the kite just for our audience if they didn't get yeah. a chance to see that theatrical sort of staging of it if you like maybe you could give us a clue as to what other kinds of things you might be sort of making or finding because you you make drawings and prints and photographs and films and you have a really diverse and varied practice and text is quite important in the mix mm. of it all right yeah so so there was there was that there was that was a project that I did with foxes there was another I did you know part of my life was documenting me being a cleaner for for a period of time and then presenting that as a that was you know at that point me being a cleaner I didn't know what that at one point it was a project then it wasn't a project then it was a real job and then it was I'm not sure and then it was I'm going to present some of this on a video projector in a or on, on, on a, as a film on, on on a live in a live show so in a theatrical setting but lots of my stuff is kind of documentary as well so you've got this big video screen behind me and I'm presenting things from various facets of my life whether it's my dad or or working in an office or living with foxes and um and then within that I suppose that show started out to be more of an installation and lots of the things sadly for the fact that it was going to be an hour show you know it could have been a sort of a durational piece and there's lots of installations on stage and then gradually those were sort of slightly removed I suppose when in in the making of the show and when I knew there was going to be a show I still didn't know when it was going to be finished I didn't want it to be finished I wanted to keep working on it for years and years yeah the, the whole show took about six years to make I think and I'm not just making the show doing other projects as well but over that time and then putting it on staging it re-evaluating re it putting it back on staging it re-evaluating it um but but there are you know i do bring there's a lot of animation in there and the the soundtrack was important working with um with dewey studios and um yeah there's there's lots of elements to that try to bring together but also i'm not sure that's it's also because i'm scared of of the of letting people not letting people down but they're coming to see me for an hour and i want to give them i want to give them a i want to give them a good hour <laughs> so a smorgasbord fucking... of stuff yeah 
like a but in a way yeah no of of life as well mm. as as well as anything else and i so it is i want it to be funny and silly and sad and disgusting um do you know um, it's the way way you describe those things like so matter of factly like oh yeah just got a cleaning job and like like you were projecting some images of you you weren't just like cleaning like anyone else would clean their house like you you get up to all kinds of antics when mm, nobody mm. in the office is around yeah and yeah. even those very short edited clips you know reveal yeah. again the kind of like you trying to kind of figure out what this thing is what this contact what the office mm. landscape is and how could yeah. you push the edges of it i mean i've got tons of that you know that's a lot of footage that, you know i'm going to be using that footage for years to come i'm sure and that hasn't all come out yet but i'm sure i'll try and find another place for that um but yeah there was yeah so there was an element of becoming a, a cleaner then working in an office and then and then what could i do in that office and could i live in try to live in the office and um and then trying to help people out at the office without them knowing trying to fix their jobs for them during the night and but it was also at the same time trying to work out it was a project about being a cleaner it wasn't it wasn't any it didn't end up being that but it was me interviewing cleaners you know and, and talking to cleaners quite seriously about their life and and how they operate and um I, I think i sound wanky here but i kind of i'm interested in those with a few shows people slight must as you, you've come back to it you said it earlier being on the edge of of, mm. of something and um like the a cashier or um or my dad who's dying or or an old man that i clean for or um those people and to try and well for the the guy who's there's a there's a i do throw a lot of shit out there but people because i don't have the confidence that i can have it could have just been a show about cleaners right it could have just been that for an hour and i sh probably should have done that there's a very short clip of the man who who was used to hang outside the local sainsbury's here um on the street and there's a clip of him in my podcast as well actually just fascinating guy fascinating guy you know just shouting and screaming and beautiful and um you know i followed him for a few days and nights and 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 actually only there's just two clips of him of 20 seconds in the show so there's lots of stuff and then it gets whittled down to a minute moment i suppose but that's the nature of a theater or show right i think you know yeah in i think an art so context, but i can also that could see be very different yeah, i mean i did I... put that i put the footage together for an art exhibition actually very unsuccessfully didn't get the art exhibition i wanted to but anyway but it was it was very different it looked very different but it's the same the same footage um of me working in the office let's say um but presented very differently so there's something in the edit though because there's the those moments where you're like teetering on the edge of what's reasonable in a situation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's always that moment of like i can't believe i can't believe he's going to do that i can't believe he's mm -hmm. done that i can't believe and there's those moments where it's almost it's it's taken the audience to a place where it's almost like we can't come back from it mm. but mm. by using something like the fox or the squirrel mm. or you know there's a kind of there's a 
a third character in the space with us, isn't there, that kind of lets us off mm. the hook a little bit. Mm. Um, because some of those things that are difficult to watch, you know, with your dad dying, for example, mm. it's the, mm. it is the kind of thing that we all have to go through, mm. you know, yeah. and actually finding pathos or humour in those mm. moments where actually it's almost too uncomfortable to watch it and yet yeah. you create those compelling reasons for us to keep doing it i'm really interested in how you bear the 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 kind of the challenge of those moments of putting yourself in those situations and sharing them with us i don't i think my moral line is quite far quite over it's just slightly different from other everyone's line is different right i mean yeah. whoever it is i don't like it when artists say oh they're so brave for sharing their their soul or just like aren't we brave oh fucking hell no not not brave at all just getting my knob out and showing it to people on, on a theater stage I, again it comes back to just enjoying poking at things slightly i think poking at um what makes a theater show or what makes a podcast or what makes a book or whatever i'm doing trying to poke a little bit or you maybe used to do that and i think you're right that the humor is is really vital in that what what mm. comes next and what what and you can just having people laugh makes me be able to then put shots of say my dad i think that i for me i need both of those to come together so so the audience there is an element of they're not just watching horrific images for for an hour there's there's other other elements as you say mm. um juxtapose it and that's again that smorgasbord thing that you're talking about london to bring everything in but not just bring lots of things in but put them play with them up against each other yeah do you do you test... in that context in that context because mm. i think that's it that context is very different from other con that that environment and also i know that environment is people come into a space they've paid money to come into that space and they're there for one hour or two hours or three hours and so i want to be able to play with that and just chuck as much shit in there as possible mm -hmm. and that's also comes from the fact i'm not skilled enough not to do that i don't have the the skill or the writing ability to stand there on stage and just talk or make jokes or to be make a beautiful performance or do something else i don't have the the ability to do that yeah when i was at art college i used to make everything with a glue gun because i didn't have the patience to actually learn how to like fix it properly you know mm. so but you know those kind of workarounds are mm. precisely the thing that ends up making it look like your work you mm. know in a way that yeah. the very sort of way of adapting or doing something on the fly yeah. is yeah. what gives it because actually what you did in the when thinking of that particular um staging you know there was something in the way you use the audio text mm. video but you performing on stage sort of with mm. the character but being really aware of the audience as well mm. there is like a, there is a generosity you say like it's not brave but certainly you know you've done stuff that the rest of us wouldn't wouldn't mm. put themselves mm. through for a public mm. that's mm. for one thing and so i'm thinking about that um what is it when you're repeating the same thing every night in a in a stage yeah. show? Yeah. How do you how do you sort of uh sort of understand the learnings of what's happened? Is it like right at the end of the run, or like 
are you noticing things like every night or are you just so exhausted that you just like you want to go home and not think about it whatsoever until the next day i think that with when you're in front of an audience it's going to be different every night anyway so that so with that comes an element of i'm of like holy shit what the fuck is going to happen also holy shit will that computer break down midway through the show because i've got no plan b but you do notice but that's why i kind of that's why it took a long time to get together and put that show on because i wanted to run it with audiences and change it and run it and change it and run it and change it and i still think it's i mean i'm i'm performing it still quite a bit across europe and the the subtitler is exasperated because I'm obviously one, still wanting to change and update it and put new new you know, new new stuff is coming up, you know. And um, they go, "You can't keep doing this to us. Please stop it. You've done the show and it's made." Um, and also, when I had a conversation with a with an arts uh, center in in Leipzig who wanted to produce the show many years ago, and they said, "Well, we'll, we'll pencil it in for." And it was a year and a half's time, and I was like, "There's no way this show's going to be." You know, I'd already done the, sh you know, the show was already pretty much there, but I was like, "There's no way it's going to be ready in a year and a half." You know, and that was just comes through an element of wanting it to be, trying to trying to make it right every, and it isn't right, and when it's not right, it's it's awful. Um, and I, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit lame because I don't want to be known as a, you know, I want to be. I think I always wanted to be an artist and I'm not sure that I am. And, and then, but I also really rely on people laughing at my stuff. And when they don't laugh, it's just absolutely hell on earth, you know, but I want to be thought of as a serious artist. So I don't know. I'm kind of saying a bit, I'm not really answering your question there, but um, that's why I, I, just... I noticed the audience reaction yeah. totally. And that does throw you or change change every night you know so whenever i go on stage it's not I, I don't feel like oh i've done this show so a, a lot of times now i'm really relaxed i'm really chilled i can just go and perform it well i kind of had a bit of a meltdown on stage in brussels i just did it in brussels i had a um yeah during it you know that was a kind of new a new a new thing what happened you know? kim start crying yeah <laughs> oh, what prompted yeah. that i think the show's about trying to be human as I say, I spent time with foxes and there's a line in it, you know, I, I, I make a better fox than I do a human. It's kind of a, an important line in the show. Um, and I realised that I wasn't that moment. I'd just been going, I was, yeah, just a horrible break, not a horrible breakup, a breakup with someone. I, I'd, I'd stopped, I'd stopped kind of meeting people. I'm a kind of a loner. I don't, I don't do relationships. I don't do human relationships. Yeah. I'm living with foxes and that's true. You know, I hadn't, hadn't, um, yeah and then I, I was in a relationship all of a sudden last year and that was coming to an end was was ending ended and then I was doing the show around the corner from where she lived and um I realized and the reason why that relationship didn't work was because I was rubbish at being a human um and so that kind of got to me a little bit yeah just became overwhelmed with the, the sort of the knowingness on mm. stage yeah yeah of 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 the of of yeah shit i really want to but i'm not very good at being human because i don't think I, I wish i'm not you know how did the audience respond um different different nights yeah they, they that particular show went well went okay not because of that i mean i'm not sure people really noticed or work but i don't know what they thought about that but um 
Uh, yeah, oh, that's a bit self too much, is it? No, it's fine. How do you know, like after you've worked on something for like six years or however long mm. you get an mm. opportunity, uh, mm. this is, I know this is an impossible question, but even if you could just mm. have, a, have a bash, at, when do you know it's got that thing? Or what, what is that thing that you're after? Wow, that's a really good question, isn't it? How do, what, have you asked that to lots of people, Kerry? Yeah, uh, over the years, I, I suppose it's the essence of somebody's creativity that I'm interested in, which is like, how do you know when you're when it's your thing, if you like? Yeah. I I still don't know, and so when someone sees sees it and says like, I don't I don't know, it's I don't know. I mean, I I kind of get a nice. I kind of get a nice feeling occasionally inside not that kind of feeling but a different kind of feeling and and I'm excited and but I kind of want it to go I just want to get on I don't really like I'm trying to say how do you know when that, that I didn't for it oh god I'm not saying anything I'm going to come go back to a previous show if I may yeah. um presented that and no one knew how it was going to go no one no and there was lots of people who were quite scared by the material i know the theater theater in edinburgh tried to close it down that night but still it was a kind of a, a success in a way for, for for people i think um but no one knew how it was going to go until it was first performed and fortunately that night went okay i've done things where they haven't gone okay and they're the same they're the same piece of work right i mean mm. um the the audience is just yeah it I, I can't answer that care it's such a difficult question to answer I'd love to know okay. the answer because then it then if you know that answer and you know how to you know how to make stuff that's really good right yeah well I guess this is the thing that I'd spend all my days talking to artists mm. about which I think and so I'll, I'll share with you what I feel or experience when I come to your work mm. which is this kind of it's like a, it is like a um, a vortex or some kind of dynamic collapsing of like really heightened emotion where like you feel something intensely, whether it's shame, embarrassment, laughter, joy. There's like a there's a a depth of interrogation of something, but it's held lightly in such a way. That I can experience it. So the work for me, your all of your work, even like the short videos to the drawings to um, your stage work, there's a frisson between something sincere and something mm. that is um, kind of undermining or um, kind mm. of, yeah antagonistic or like grit in the oyster, and mm. uh, that sincerity which is awkward for lots of people it, as well as all the awkward stuff but the the kind of the reality if you like the mm. the hard emotional reality of life mixed with the utter absurdity and bonkersness of being alive mm. so in because it's channeled through you or funneled through you in some way there's um there's some kind of pass we get given a pass to feel mm. or interrogate or explore those things you mm. know but it it's skirting really close to what people f 
define reasonable. And so mm. in that skirting, we're getting a sense of, I don't know, it's sort of, I don't know why I got an image of someone being tattooed then in my mind, but I'm just going to, mm. you know, like where some people have got a threshold for pain, right? Some people mm. have got, and some people like it and some people, but when you're put in an extreme circumstance, whether that's grief or loss or I don't know, whatever, sex, whatever, when you're putting an extreme moment, you get a sense of an expanded consciousness in some way, an expanded mm. realm. Mm. And it's in that, uh, so it's not just pushing the edges. Like I hate it when people talk about boundary pushing. I'm, mm. I don't mean that. I mean, literally pushing at the edges of our consciousness to see mm. what's possible for a human, what's a threat, mm. what thresholds. And that happens with, um, you know, when we have experienced, I don't know, a, a, a momentary loss of self or a, um, I have like um, a mild form of epilepsy, which is like, it's called petit mal, which is like a, a short death, which I've talked about before. And there's a moment just as I'm slipping into it, which is like passing out. I'm not saying your work is like passing out, Kim, but I'm trying to explain what I mean, which is when you're at the threshold of being in between being conscious and unconscious or and mm. not being able to control it. So there's a simultaneous like desire for control and a and a and a willingness to abandon control. That's what I experience when I wow. see your work. I think you might have come on a good night, Kerry. <laughs> I can guarantee it's not like that every night. So guarantee it. I don't know if anything that I said resonated uh, at all. But it does. I, when I if I was if I was looking at your work and I didn't see one of those qualities where there's a, a frisson there or like, you know, there's uh, a desire to push or pull means something, then I would know yeah. it's not quite Kim enough. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. I just worry what, because I feel like I've, I'm worried that I'm not making those things anymore. So I don't know what the, ne the next, what else is left. Does that make sense? Also, it because I've, because I've put a lot of things into that show, I've kind of stupidly used up lots of ideas. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a bit fucked now because um, there's not a lot. I haven't got much left to say because I kind of... Well, I don't believe that for a minute because, you know, you talked about painters who go like we might just feel, get the urge to paint all of a sudden. Mm. I've seen your drawings and... You know, some are more playful than others, but there mm. is like a, there's a quietness and a, a slight poetic quality in some of the things that you do. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's, it doesn't have to be like with the volume thrown up every time, right? No, so, it doesn't. totally not. Totally. And I think it's like some of those pauses or those moments then become more poignant because yeah. they're in relationship yeah. to this other stuff. Yeah. So for me, it's about knowing that this, the bit that you um, refer to as being boring is an element of all of us, which is where I'm also a creative introvert. So, um, you know, I'm very often just sitting, thinking, staring at a wall, which isn't going to be mm. interesting to anybody else whatsoever. So, mm. but nevertheless, it's in those moments of like thinking, contemplating, being, being in relation to the world Mm. where those ideas happen so yeah. from where i'm sitting there is because you've got so many skills 
that you describe, I don't know, these are my words, not yours. You were intimating that you weren't so good at all these other things. I think it's like when you can do lots of different things, like being a yeah. polymath, which is what you can yeah. do. Yeah. I really understand so many artists that I work with who are polymaths like that, who mm. feel like they're a jack of all trades, master mm. of none. Mm. And they compare themselves to people, okay. I don't know, that are like amazing at In woodwork or amazing yeah. at like painting. But we're not comparing apples and pears. It's like um, yeah. it's really somebody who can put all of those things as Dave Stahoviak said in a previous thing, it's like being at the intersection of all mm. this stuff and being able to use it as part of your language or cosmology whenever you like is a pretty yeah. amazing skill, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to shit on your parade straight away, Kerry. Good, go for it. Um, yes, but it's also, and I'm not... I'm not trying to get the violins out here at all because I'm I'm in a very fortunate fortunate position to be offered opportunities and not many opportunities but but some opportunities but I do find it's as constant and I'm sure you will know this from lots of talking to artists how actually sometimes I'm sure you've probably said this in a in one of your how to in one of your beat the block things sometimes when you've got it's not easy to get the opportunities, I suppose, when you're doing lots of different things. You're not known. I yes. feel like I'm a, I'm an artist that never hasn't never gets invited to do an exhibition, a co comedian that doesn't do comedy, um, a filmmaker that's never made a film, um, a podcaster maker that made a, a made a podcast but no one listened to. Um, um, I could go on a, a writer who's who who can't get a book published. So that. Does sound like I'm like I'm getting the violins out. Well, but no, that, but I'm, you, coming, I'm really glad that, that you raised it. I'm really <laughs> glad that you mentioned it because it is something that comes up for loads of artists that I speak to, mm. and I think there's there's something about a, what you're. I'm not saying you're doing this, Kim, but lots of artists I speak to mm. have a perception that that is the case. Mm. And I would say that there are as many people like me commissioners when I was programming you know in other jobs or had a gallery mm. where I like artists who mm. work like that I like mm. creatives mm. who think differently who are not just like trying to you know craft one particular thing but who actually can draw on all of these different ways of thinking and seeing the world and it's not so it's more about finding those people finding finding the people yeah who are in alignment with liking lots of weird shit, that I understand doesn't always feel easy. You know, that those people might not, because they might also not declare themselves in as public a way, or yes. they might not articulate that in a very particular way. I, rec I recorded, I I was just thinking, what, what are you going to, what's Kerry going to ask me? honor of introducing yourself first and your work and where you live and work the reason why i've played that is because it i even find it hard to introduce myself as well for what i do so it's kind of a kind of for and i'm sure for other artists it's it's very difficult to even talk about my work because it's or talk about what i do because i actually don't know what i do someone the other day really sweetly said oh well you're you, everything you do you kind of you go about it in a in a trying to be creative way, I suppose, which is cool. 
but it's really hard when you don't actually know what you do it when you do lots of different things you don't really know what i do because i don't really think i'm a theater maker i don't although we've spoken we've spoken gent more about my theater show mm. that that is is one facet and then there's other thing and so it's really it is it it's a when I listened to that and I was going, what's Kerry going to fucking ask me today? <laughs> and the first thing you asked somebody else was, tell us what you do. And I was like, holy crap, what the fuck do I do? So um, because of because of this sort of multidisciplined approach. and um, What's wrong with just calling yourself an artist? No, there's nothing wrong with it. I like I like that. I like it. I like it. I'm just not sure I am. Um, and I, I, I started to use the term performance artist because it sounds just a bit more wanky. And um, I started to quite enjoy that. But yeah, I suppose as well there was, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I think uh, I think artist is just does what it says on the tin. And the reason I think that that broad de definition, you know, I think about I don't know people who work in fashion, like mm. you know Virgil Abloh, or I mean, there's just so many people who just you know they they basically just they're creative, they do whatever they like. Mm. And they really get off on the fact that they can be creative in mm. any field that they like, you mm. know. And I think, I think that's the. It's it's such an important thing to celebrate because not everyone can do what you can do. And I know that you know you're modest and a bit embarrassed about the fact that you know you do these things. However, I think that the fact that you can do it and it's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. It's not easy it is, to be yeah, an artist. Yeah. No, um, it, I, th I think as well. My doubt comes from the fact of of thinking. Well, I might, I might. That might be me done at the moment. That might be. I'm, I think I probably moaned to you on an email about this a year and a half ago, Kerry. So I'm just repeating myself. But thinking, yeah, it's great to say I am an artist. But then I'm thinking, when was the last time you made a piece of art? You know, whether it's whatever that may be because i don't feel i'm that creative at the moment so can i actually call myself can i call myself an artist and if i'm not an artist then i'm fucked because um you know a football a striker let's say he needs to score goals in the football team and um and if he doesn't score goals he's not you know he's going to get he's good you're you're really looking confused here. I'm not confused. Sorry, that's my thinking face when I look okay. up to the ceiling. Where's he, where's he going with no, this? I was visualizing. I think maybe I. I've that got makes a sense, feeling though. It does, but I think my answer might sound romantic to you. But I'm just going to say it anyway. Mm. I think the difference is that being an artist isn't like. I mean, it is a job, but it's not, and it is something that you've crafted and learned and developed, mm. but. It's beyond that. It's actually the way your brain functions. It's like mm, a sensibility. Mm. It's the way your brain is wired. And it, it's almost, I don't think that you can stop being an artist. That's my, I think you can choose to do something else, as in mm. what you spend your days doing, mm, mm. how you earn your money, all of those things. Mm -hmm. I think mm. that could be different, but you're, you're always going to be an artist. So, you know, some people who have been practicing as an artist for a long time, whatever, if they went to be a scuba diver, they're still going to, they're still going to be an, an artist and approach that, those things with that sensibility. Well, that's kind not trying to produce a wonderful circle, but that's kind of what my tutors 
said was trying to tell us at the start of that of our course was you won't all none of lots of you won't not none of you but some of you won't end up being artists but you'll take this what you learn here at art school or as being an artist at this for these three years forward with whatever you do so i totally believe that i totally buy that but i still i still i still when you're kind of having the doubt of creativity or what what of where what do you do next shit what do you do next i don't know what i'm doing i don't know then then to call yourself then i have a i i I wonder whether you are an artist i wonder whether you are an artist or you're an ex-art you're a retired artist or an ex-artist i don't know I love your honesty and the fact that you are expressing stuff that I hear every day. So I know there's loads of artists that feel Mm. like that. And I think Mm. that the gap between good stuff, I think that's a really common fear. Mm. Do you know, like Mm. between when's the last time you had a good idea or Mm. whatever Mm. and the desire to, I don't know, like you do things like follow people on buses or you've done stuff in the past where it can be from like odd things that you just totally. do on yeah, a yeah, daily yeah. basis. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some there is something in consistency mm-hmm. and whether that's like doodling on a back of a fag packet or taking mm-hmm. videos, you know, when you go out the door just to see what's around or there is a curiosity that comes regardless of what you're going to do with the stuff. And, yeah. and I guess that that's the thing. It's like it doesn't have to be an epic project no. or an epic no thing no no but it's like it's what what are you putting your brain to work at Mm, mm, mm. what's the thing that you're thinking about and certainly there's artists that i know who have taken like a a year break breather just while they process what's gone before Mm. because Mm. actually especially if you're doing like a major tool Mm, or you've mm. done something like that you know it's physically exhausting depleting Mm. you know i would imagine quite emotionally exhausting maybe maybe it's not but that's certainly the idea of performing, especially if you're a creative introvert, the thought of actually being constantly performing and mm. then needing time to recharge, it can really easily deplete your creative stock. Yeah, I think there's also a fear. I'm, I'm, this is, I hope this isn't, is this turning into a therapy session? No, you, it's okay? just a conversation. Okay. Um, I think there's also a, a fear for me. There's a fear of of doing the next thing and the fear of the next thing being, is it going to be good enough as well? That kind of, which I'm sure, again, is a kind of a, 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 a trope a trope that a lot of artists will trope. Is that right? No, I'm not. Or the, a yeah. conversation I'm sure you've had. You said the, you've had these, the, the, the doubt over the artist. The next thing, is the next thing going to be any good? You know, that's a, and that's kind of quite scary scary is it scary yeah it is i suppose but how um, would it feel no. if you just told yourself that it's it's bound to be shit it will be shit and you just have to make a load of shit stuff mm. oh it's nice i'm i don't think i'm a i'll tell you why i'm i get i think that ability to lots of my stuff is about being a failure or or i mentioned you know even on this podcast maybe you know i'm aware i'm kind of self-deprecating as you said but actually i'm not i've never been brave enough to fail as well at times do you know what i mean or, or to have the ability i'd love to be able to be to do to do what you just said i think that's great advice for people to go and fuck around and know that you're gonna muck up and just dick around a bit and and, and produce shit 
I think that's that's kind of lots of artists do do that though, don't they? And they spend a career doing that. But um, I've just found wow, drinks. What have you found? That was in my drink pocket. artists non-reversible. Oh, you get a free drink at the end of your do. Is that That's, right? Yeah, too. I just had to. I wonder where they had gone. Do you know there is? Um, it's it's sounds really crass, but it honestly mm. works. That um, whenever I've worked with artists who go through a period of being stuck, if you like, mm. or like feeling the fear of mm. like being shit, if you like, mm. where we actually do a process where you you proactively go out and be shit mm. and mm. actually having an accountability partner to allow yourself to do yeah. it it's a bit like that old exercise you know where where you have to practice going and getting no's yeah, i don't know yeah. if you know like if you go to a restaurant and ask for something like i don't know lobster and black yeah. black pudding or something and it's not on the menu do you know it's like it's like deliberately allowing your brain to know the only way it's going to get to the good stuff is if we practice being shit on a regular basis. Oh, man, I think that's so good to, for people to do. And I don't, you know what? I don't know why I'm even moaning about this because I actually feel quite creative at the moment. So it's a bit it's a bit weird to suddenly, to I'm announcing this stuff to you because I actually feel quite good at the moment about things. But yeah, that's great. But to be, to be able to fuck around, I, I've never been able to do that, I think. I think that would be a lovely thing to be able to do and, and, and also have the, have the guts to be able to present that as well to people. How how often do you work with like an editing partner or someone who gives you feedback? I don't just mean like when you're doing testings for theatre, but like when you're making other kinds of art, how often do you like show I'm it to people? I'm quite alone. I'm just on my own really doing doing it. I, I, again, I think that's a really big thing though. People, oh God, I'm trying to get something to give advice to people. What a banker. Um, uh, but I, I know you said not theatre, but... I, that yeah. is also been really important to me to have someone throughout my career, not just to share theatre things with, but to share my book with, or to share this with, or to share. And that is really important to find to find those people, or find that person you trust. And I'm really lucky. It's not the wardrobe, but I've had that touch wood. I've had that 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 person. You know, um, and they they change and they come and go and. And I'm really lucky to have someone like that in, you know, that I know when in my next project I can go to with with to ask those questions of and to bounce something off. So when I say I'm, I'm doing it on my own, that's that might not be completely true because I do I do have one or two people I can go to. That you trust you have uh, like radical candor with them about the quality of the work. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's brilliant. So they have a sense of whether it's Kim him enough or not yeah totally yeah yeah mm. yeah so that essence that thing that is your work other people can see it and feel it and sense it mm. when it's present or not i mean i've just made a video for someone it's only their birthday it's just but i really like it and so Brilliant. yeah but it's not very nice but anyway it's it's um yeah but yeah so so, so there so it's just i i really sometimes you lose a sense of that thing that again I said about my tutor saying of, of remember these other things right remember the the things that as you have just said that might be a bit shit or going to be a bit shit for a day or whatever that is um I, I think I, I lose I, I, I sometimes I forget that the, those times are important and not being creative is is important and being okay with not being creative and being okay with 
just surviving at life right i mean that's difficult enough um and giving yourself time to not not create is good or the space to create and when you're not creating or you're having a break or whatever do you look at other people's work what kinds of things might you go to for a bit a bolt of inspiration i i'm really shit i know i know that i'd go through phases of trying to trying to read or seeing exhibitions and and going to other performances and me, i suppose because my work has draw draws on lots of di- i'm not one to necessarily just go to go to an art gallery and i need to go and see some art i'm such an awful consumer i think of of other people's work because i go into it and i'll be like oh fuck why have they got this show or fuck oh. they're doing you know i'm i'm kind of directing somebody at the moment who's brilliant and but she's like so she's like touring america with her show do you know what i mean it's like fuck man this is ridiculous so you're um, going to compare and compare uh, with with it film and anything you know whatever i see I, I totally just sink into into wow but but also what is good is when when i there's a certain gel i also like a certain jealousy when it's like fuck that's really good yeah. and you get that little buzz inside and you think oh wow that's um that's um yeah it's so amazing. i do yeah i do go and see other i totally go and see other people when was the last time you had that feeling kim i saw a an exhibition that's terrible i fucking can't like i'm gonna have to bleep out their name and pretend it i i how do i find their name um can you describe in, it to me it was it was in leon just a couple of weeks ago and um i i had a day off so i thought i was going to see some artwork and um you know you're talking i think it was just before the you started recording you started talking about art speak and how awful it mm. is yeah there was an exhibition that was on and and the fucking right it really makes me angry just like the write-up for it was just dreadful it just made no sense i just didn't understand what it was there's no idea but i went to it and that's terrible carry that i can't remember the artist's name and it was um can i show you so you probably know it um these kind of again again kind of these jean tinglay kind of moving things that bashed on plates and very poetic and made noises and it gave you that feeling where you kind of recognize something in it or, yeah 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 totally of like wow this is this is beautiful mm. and this is a moment but that came from also thinking it was going to be absolute shit as well <laughs> and, um, and you know, going to a gallery you know walking into a gallery by chance and seeing something that's magical is quite is quite nice isn't it when that happens you're absolutely right when it comes to theatre and music. This happens also. Mm. I've talked to a lot of musicians where one of the aims is to get as many people there as possible, right? So mm. the way that they it's articulated in the press mm. or like in the band notes or whatever mm. is usually quite exciting or like they ramp yeah, yeah. up, the, but it's, they're trying to make it hit a main, more mainstream kind yeah, of audience. Yeah, yeah. Whereas art, because it's like going for it's all smoke and mirrors right in the art world. So uh, it's a lot about perceived value. So their yeah, yeah. job is to try and make it sound as like niche as possible yeah, and yeah. Um, intelligent. Everyone tries to write like an academic instead yeah, of yeah. letting 
the work be intelligent and then the way mm. it's spoken about in a press release or something be much more accessible, like an accessible version of it. And lots of artists get worried about that themselves. You know, they think their peers are going to judge them if it's not written about in a like pseudo intellectual mm. way. Mm. Yeah, the kind of the brilliant reviews that you've had or, you know, how hard it is to write a two sentence intro to a paragraph in a review to get people mm. hooked in. It's actually mm. really hard, isn't it? To write mm. like that, to make yeah, it sound yeah. accessible yeah. and easy to understand when you're dealing with complex ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I a hundred percent agree with you that finding a way to articulate something that somebody has gone to so much trouble to make to a much broader audience would make sense. Right. You know, mm. somebody's gone mm. like an artist has gone to all that trouble to it's, to work yeah. so hard to make so much work. That was phenomenal, phenomenal, massive and phenomenal. And the first two sentences, I just didn't. I, I mean, I'm not very into. I'm not that intelligent, but I totally couldn't. Under, it just made me. I, I liked how angry it made me because it was just so like, this isn't yeah. even. These aren't even work. These are words, but they don't form a sentence. Yeah, it's obfuscating. I think it's like some kind oh. of like yeah it's part of that smoke and mirrors thing so i i guess just thinking about that generosity i'm wondering who's given you kind of support in recent years that has helped you to kind of to to keep thinking or be creative who's given you some hope and inspiration um to give me support or hope and inspiration oh well maybe Maybe they're separate things. Maybe they're the same things. Well, support is support. I'm, again, lucky. That's a practical thing. And I've been lucky to have support from a from a, an art house in Belgium and support from a, an individual there called Paul Havar, who's, you know, I, I really, well, we're friends, but really admire and admire his opinion. So support, I'd say, mm. him. And I think that's really key to have those people in in you need you know we need those people you know every, yeah. everyone everyone needs those people in their lives that's not just artists that's really yeah. bullshit i'm saying but um um we artists also need help along the way because we you know we are sort of stuck in my bedroom um 24 hours a day wondering what the fuck to do or whatever that is and and but i i also have been lucky or was lucky before to have been offered time and space to make something and um via the Belgian government I think um probably and um yeah that that would be my that's my personal answer you know in, in, a, in a practical very practical way to make that show I wouldn't have been able to make I wouldn't have been able to make that work in the UK which is quite sad or make it how I made it in the in in UK but yeah how did you um have that conversation or how did that come about where that support was offered is it through a natural conversation or did you go to them once the idea had crystallized a bit more no they, they again it's again being really lucky that that institution was i'm not sure it still is anymore but was um supportive of artists and they would let people come you know i think now things are funding is tighter so they need kind of in they support that project it's got a show result here i was yeah. fortunately with a few things that i've done in my time actually with the podcast as well to kind of come on off the back of someone offering money they didn't really know what they were off giving me money for and that's gone to shit but anyway that 
that there was support in terms of money to to make something and um and didn't need to be totally defined if that makes sense which is quite unusual i think to kind yeah, of go and mess around and, and i was fortunate again that this person saw saw um a performance that i did in the uk a couple of many years ago now and they thought why can we support you can we give you time you know and and that's really amazing massive, massive. yeah yeah that's brilliant and i guess that with that in mind thinking about um your sort of personal champions, you know, mm. who's been the biggest supporter of your work over the years? People do co comment, do message me, and, you know, I set up a page and people do put you know, that patron thing. And, okay, it's not, I haven't managed mm. to nail it yet, but people do put mm, things into that. So there are these, there's genuine support there. That's yeah. incredible, you know, That's that people brilliant. would even, even do that, you know. So I, I'd have to say, I'd have to say them. I'd have to say, do I say my mum? Yeah, let's say your mum. Soon as she made an appearance on the podcast, she's she's, she's only got three weeks to live. Um, <laughs> um, We're all on bated breath, needing to know the answer now. No, she's got longer to live. Ah, definitely good. longer than three weeks. Great. Um, so she'll hear the podcast. That's good. She will. She, she <laughs> will hear the podcast. I'll play it to her. Many on on her yeah i'd have to say my mum i suppose because she's seen the, the the horrors and the the difficulties of of making work oh fuck you know what i'm being a real wanker because i'm that now you're asking me i'll keep thinking of lots of people because there's lots of people that sub you know other people that help me like with professional things that who don't take any money off me because i don't never make them any money and and they really help me and so i i I can't. Yeah, there are other other people along the along the line. You've had some champions. Um, but, yeah, but my mum. Yeah, definitely because she has to cope with the shit that comes with it. You know, the 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 hell of making a show or the the being in being in the show <laughs> at the yeah. moment. Or and um, you know, I'm I'm fucking. The other reason why I kind of I I move. I'm having to move back in with her, Kerry. Because I can't, I can't afford this place. Well, this place is being sold, being sold. So, and I can't afford anywhere. Yeah, some. Oh, God, I'm actually. It's a good moved. job you gave us some props, then, hey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Big up your mum. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you know um, that's the, that's London life, though? Hey, so many mm. people are really having to think about whether they stay in London or, yeah. you know, if they do, how do they make it work? So it's not just me. You're saying. It's not just you. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's lot, moving there's back lots in. of artists out there who are moving back into my mum's. Yeah, or the into your mum's or the garden shed. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Yeah. But no, thinking totally. thinking about where you want to be, I guess, or where mm. you do your best work, mm. you know, is something mm. to think about. But mm. I guess um, in between making shows, or like when you stop making shows, how mm. will how do you keep the the income coming in? Well, at the moment, I'm. I've always managed somehow. I don't. Again, I don't. You know, I'm not paying much here. I'm very fortunate in that, that regard. That I've never fortunate and unfortunate. I kind of live this re weird, weird life of not having. You know, I don't have um, people dependent on me at the moment. You know, um, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have that pressure. And I'm. You know, some of my friends. You know, have a lot of pressure to to, to make that. 
to make that mortgage payment or to make that you know running a business and having to pay staff or whatever that is you know and i i don't you know um so i'm not having to find shit loads of money to survive but you know in i do sometimes teach and i do mentor people and i do um i'm directing two shows at the moment and i've got a i've got a book deal and um that's a official official rather than the page on your website that asks invites people to sign up to an imaginary one that's never going to be published yeah it's going to be pub well i don't don't believe it we published it but but yeah it looks like it will um um and and i've kind of just and workshops and um that kind of thing and also obviously yeah and when the shows are running you know i do when i perform then i make money through that but yeah it's a constant um i tried to start selling work last year i think i spoke to you about that i tried Mm. to start selling work last year kind of unsuccessfully but okay it was really meant a lot when i did make some sales um and i and i need to work i need to work it i suppose that's a that's a big thing you know i started to retrain last year as a as a therapist Mm. um not retrain actually so that's the wrong term but i took a course in it to see whether that was something because it is a worry of like fuck how am i if my work is about me which i think it is and i've run out of things to say to the world um what the fuck am i going to do to earn money yeah Mm -hmm. um so that is a worry but i'm touch wood i'm okay i'm okay at at this minute for this 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 year you know but next year you never know right i mean that that is always playing on my mind well, I'm glad that you've got some things coming uh, at the moment, but I think that collage of ways of earning an income mm. is perfectly aligned with the way that you make in lots mm. of ways, you know, but mm. having one consistent thread yeah. is the thing that keeps you sort of psychologically sound, doesn't it? In a sense yeah. that, um, so actually having one thing that you might have as a, let's call it passive way of earning yeah. income whether it's a, yeah. a print that you regularly put out yeah. Yeah. or yeah. photograph or a drawing or a an online performance for your patreons yeah yeah you know i think that's uh that is something that takes the pressure off but yeah. uh it's great that you're directing people and is mm. that something that you would advertise through your channels or if people wanted to work with you in some way how could they approach you yeah um <laughs> it's not like an open advert but i'm curious you know no, like no no it is no it is i just suddenly i just had this vision of me walking down the street and people can yeah approach me and just yeah no it's kind of cool i kind of really 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 enjoy it you know i mean you must do though you kind of that's kind of your thing now yeah helping uh, other people yeah i guess it's um there's something really brilliant about helping somebody to tap into their own Mm, mm. flow state or creative flow state or also Mm. to have confidence in order to i don't know test those shit ideas and Mm, with them you know and then help them turn them into great ideas just partly by having that kind of that fulcrum if you like or that that sort of you know um yeah vote of confidence Mm. But also, I guess I'm thinking about you being a director, the fact that you are somebody who, and again, I know you might not like this term risk, but you Mm. have to, 
you have to make friends with risk at some point, right, in the creative process. Mm. So it's when you create a container for what risks you're prepared to take and what risks you somebody it's a bit like if you've got I don't know if you're into football if you've got a coach who's a a football coach Mm, mm. you know you might be really great at tricks or you might be really great at some element of it but if somebody can see that there's another part another part of your practice that could be elevated if they Mm, put you mm. in relationship to some other genius player or some other kind of position for example Mm. they might help tease out that extra strand of creativity in this sense yeah yeah so i think there's something about when you when you facilitate or support somebody else's kind of uh stab at something i think it's thrilling mm, you know it's totally. really it's yeah, really definitely. thrilling yeah. and so yeah. i can imagine you being really great at that kim and yeah i mean it's like the teaching side of things are it's always something i've done so it's all you know it's as when you said how do i earn money that is I don't have a regular teaching job, but that I used to, and I, you know, have have had those kind of opportunities before. And I have, yeah, as you say, they are they can be really fulfilling. Um, not all the time, but they can they can um, they can. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's been brilliant, really, and it's something I yeah I'm still going to keep I I'm, keep doing. You know, um, people do are do ask me, you know, and I can't you know to know who to who to help and who not to help if there's a sort of synergy or there's something interesting about them and you can take that on right do you help people with their writing as well as their sort of performance or i will do yeah from now now you've mentioned that's a really good (laughs) (laughs) i think it's something that people really need it's actually quite hard to yeah right well but creative yeah i should do but i i went on my website the other day and i realized i'd spelt I spe- there's loads of spelling errors under the bit where i can offer i can offer you mentorship shit shit and <laughs> the mentorship is spelt wrong and so i think if i need to put writing down i need to kind of make sure that's um spell checked that will be oh. better than it do you know i think it's more important to be interesting than you know to sound perfect mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. And I think yeah. uh, in terms of your um, where people could get hold of you, um, Kim, we have your podcast. I was only looking, I was only looking, sorry, sorry, I wasn't looking bored there. I was just looking at someone, someone sent me a chair leg. It's up oh. there now. And it says, thank you, Kim, you drew this chair. I wanted to gift it back to you. So they, they, they drew this on a chair. Nice. I thought you were looking at the ceiling, looking at a chair. No. Oh, uh, thank lovely. you. You mentioned you drew, drew this chair, so I wanted to give part of it back to you to thank you as a thank you card. Your work inspired me so much. I feel so lucky to work with you. So that's I someone who was, who was working with. So it's like, yeah, you do. That's you do brilliant. Get the chairs back. That sounds that's a perfect testimonial written. Yeah. <laughs> written in your style. So clearly, yeah, totally. somebody's yeah, yeah. somebody's brilliant. really, really taking it on board. It. Yeah, totally. So people could check out your Instagram and your website World and your podcast. What's your podcast called, Kim? It's called Futile Attempts at Surviving Tomorrow. I've got less comments than you have, Kerry. Is that right? I'll, yeah. I'll rectify that if you like. I'll write you a stream of consciousness as a review. Yeah. I got I, mine. Do you do you subscribe to? I subscribe to podcast charts. Ah, uh, yes. 
I get chartable is the one I think we chartable. That's it. Chartable. I get messages every. I I absolutely love it. I get messages saying they always update me. I mean, my podcast quite a couple of years ago now, but they still send me messages. Bless them to say your podcast has now moved out of the charts in Azerbaijan. (laughs) It reached (laughs) reached a peak in comedy. For, uh, for 300 160 or something your podcast has now dropped out the charts in estonia it reached a peak of 204 it's like wow this is yeah. you actually enjoy that do you know i've turned notifications off my things i don't i don't i don't study it because i think okay. do you know i do i know there's lots of like different countries and actually yeah. that is surprising when you find out that somebody's listening yeah. in a very weird part of the corner totally. of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll be interested to see how this goes down in Azerbaijan. Yeah. But if I've got a lucky yeah. listener. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kim, for well, thank you. being here today I'm and to share in some of your process and experiences. And thank you so much for being so open and candid as always. Thanks, thank Kim. Kim reflected what it's really like to live the life of an artist. Curiosity, trepidation, enthusiasm, doubt, suspicion, modesty, confidence, joy, peppered with angst, playfulness, hilarity. He reflected the kinds of challenges that I hear artists grapple with every day. It's hard enough to be human, as he says, and being an artist is not an easy choice at times. It can take six years to create something and yet there is the distinct possibility that somebody might not laugh or like it. It requires vulnerability, commitment and a willingness to fly really close to the deadline in case the best comes in last. What fascinates me is that for those of us who are less artistically talented, it can be difficult to comprehend why someone wouldn't seize every opportunity to showcase their gift. But when you know that true artistic expression often entails embracing failure and persistently making works that let you down, it becomes clear why it feels so daunting. But for those of us on the receiving end of artists' great work, I want you to know that we're glad you invested time. Your work changes us, so please keep doing it. Our lives are richer for it. But don't do it alone all the time. Find your crew and keep your champions and supporters close. Please follow and share the podcast. It helps us to support more brilliant creatives like you. Recommend future guest suggestions in your reviews. They might well become part of our show. Thanks for being part of our creative community. Until next time. Mm